You're listening to the Real Estate Runway Podcast, powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton. Everyone, we have an action-packed episode for you today. This one's a little bit longer than usual. We really, really strive to keep these at 30 minutes or less, you know, the time of a typical car ride. This one is a little over an hour, but I really think you're going to enjoy it. I can't imagine anywhere else where you would find an episode that is packed with motivational speaking, life coaching, business coaching, a COVID survival story and a whole discussion around courage and how it takes sometimes the ability to fight, the ability to surrender, and the ability to persevere. Without further ado, here's our interview with Kim Wendland. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Sutton, and I am joined today with a very special guest. This is my partner, my aunt, Kim Wendland. She is very special to me and we have a great story that we're going to share with you guys today. So just a little bit about Kim. You can always see more about our team at thequattroway.com. In this case, thequattroway.com slash Kim dash Wendland is the way to find her. This will be in the show notes for you. But Kim spent 28 years in technology working for major corporations such as IBM, Northrop Grumman, serving their global Fortune 50 clients, as well as state and local governments. She ultimately ended her technology career working for the state of Texas health and human services agencies in an effort to give back with what she had learned. Kim stumbled into real estate after settling the estates of three loved ones. Through those years, she realized how much wealth was transferred to the heirs of those estates as a result of the real estate. What a thing to discover. Kim is also passionate about people and philanthropy, so she leverages real estate for both income and impact with her Quattro Capital team. However, none of this today is what we're going to be talking about. We'll talk about all this in another episode. Today, we're going to talk about a miraculous survival story that Kim had You know, as one of our key managing partners when she contracted COVID late in 2020, rather. It was really devastating, not only for her, for our family, but also for our Quattro Capital team You know, to really work through that. So Kim, say hello to everyone and let's get into this, shall we? Absolutely. Hello, everybody. And hello, Chad. I'm I'm really grateful to get to share the story because I can tell you the alternative to being here is to not be on the planet. And it is really good to be alive. But I want to assure everybody in the audience, Chad, that I know we're all sick to death of talking about COVID. And so today's podcast is not going to be an emotional drudge through horrible stuff. We're going to touch on the things that were real and that would happen, but we're more importantly going to tell the story of what it takes, not just to survive, but to thrive. I love that. I love that, Kim. And, and that's so true. You know, the point in telling the story is really to show everyone some of the things we learned through it, right? Both not only personally, but professionally, right? Yeah. Coming from trying to, number one, cope with the idea of possibly losing a family member, but number two, cope with the idea that, oh my gosh, we may have to run this business without you. You know, Yeah. <laughs> it was some pretty incredible stuff. So why don't you start out, Kim, and, and kind of explain to everyone, you know, our family and business ties and kind of set the stage for our working relationship. And then we'll get into it from there. Sure. It is such a huge blessing to get to work with Chad and Chad's mom, my sister, Tammy. So the three of us, along with who people who feel like family, Aaron Hudson and Maurice Philogene, make up Quattro Capital. But I can tell you, having worked 20, 
plus years globally and been living more in airports than at home, I can tell you that the disconnect from family was real. And in the first few months, maybe even the first six weeks or so of working with Chad and Tammy, I had more meaningful conversations with them than I had had the previous 20 years. So it is a wonderful thing to get to work alongside family who I love and respect and just think the world of. It's super exciting. So yeah, we're all tied together professionally and as a family, and we make that work. You know, we're quick to make the relationship first, and then we deal with business. And, you know, just like anytime people are in the jungle and they're, you know, slinging their machetes around, sometimes we unintentionally nick each other, and we're we're quick to yell, ouch, and put Band-Aids on each other, make up, and keep going. <laughs> Kim, that was such a gracious way to describe your nephew stepping on your toes many times, but you know, we all forgive each other and forget, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we've talked about a COVID story. So before we get into what COVID taught you about courage in real estate, let's share the COVID story itself. Can can you tell us what happened? Yeah, it was crazy. Like, We'd been so darn careful with COVID, so we were quite offended to have gotten it. And the situation was, it was Thanksgiving of 2020. We had been quarantining since way before the quarantine was actually called. I'm with my mom every week. It was essential not to put her or her mother, my grandmother, Chad's great-grandmother, at risk. So we were super careful. My husband's people were also elderly, so we weren't playing around with it. In addition, Tammy... Terry, her husband, we were all super careful. So we agreed to gather for Thanksgiving because we knew we could trust each other. We were able to be socially distanced in mom's home. It was a beautiful, wonderful time together. The fatal flaw was where we broke protocol. Tammy and I thought it would be fun to do some Black Friday shoe shopping. We went shopping about, I don't know, a third or 40% of the people were wearing masks. We were two of them. And it was, you know, you you get those gut feelings. I was aware that we were in danger, but we were having fun and I was sick of COVID. And so we let our guard down during that shopping spree. Three days later, all five of us had COVID symptoms. Uh, It was pretty intense. But I can tell you, looking back, that was the absolute most expensive shoe shopping experience ever. Like, oh, holy smoke. (laughs) So, So here we start having... I'm laughing on mute. I should have got my laugh in. <laughs> Go ahead. So on uh, on day eight of COVID, I wasn't able to keep my oxygen above 90. Everybody was feeling miserable, but thankfully, Chad and his wife, who's a PhD in pharmacy, was able to work out and, and make sure that the most at-risk member of the family was able to get the uh, antibodies that infusion. She was doing well with the Z-Pack. Tammy and Terry felt awful, but everybody was fine. Wes felt awful, but he was fine. But I was starting to get in trouble. I had kept up with my primary care physician, who I can't speak highly enough. If you're in the Austin area and you've got to work with Dr. Hossman Cohen, just period, the end, reach out to me. I'll share you why. But She called it and she's like, you can't keep your oxygen above 90. It's time to go to the ER. Probably you're just going to need supplemental oxygen. But if not, you're going to be in the hospital where they can take action fast. So it's time to go to the ER. Now, people all across the country have been doing this. We've been hearing about how horrible it was. And sure enough, like you go to the ER and, you know, there's no loved ones with you. Had to say goodbye to the hubs and, and know that 
that was a real possibility that that could be our last moments together. I don't want to expound on that too much or I'll start, you know, it's still very emotional. I'm not quite out of the hospital 90 days at this recording. And so, you know, things are still really fresh and raw. But here we were in the middle of COVID and we're we're dealing with what, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have dealt with. I turned to him. I gave him a monster hug and told him what I truly believed and that I truly believed it would be okay. And I believed that I was going to walk back out of that ER. I never felt out of control fear. I was aware of risk. I was aware of danger, but I did not let my mind play in that space of fear. Sadly enough, two days later, the oxygen still continued to fall despite the supplemental oxygen. Ultimately, I passed out from a lack of oxygen and I had no idea that I had been moved into ICU. I, I truly don't remember that happening. The next day, they called my husband, the doctor did, and they talked about what was required to be put on a ventilator and that that was the next step. Despite all the stuff they were doing, my body just wasn't converting the air into oxygen. So if you're on a vent, you're given paralytics and other drugs that induce a coma. That way you don't fight the vent. And for most people, that also causes your diaphragm to relax so that you can slow your breathing rate down. Your heart doesn't get into trouble. Things start turning around. Well, in my case, my oxygen level kept dropping, even though I was on the vent. My diaphragm was pumping hard, just like you were running uphill or something. And basically, my body was fighting, but my lungs couldn't process the air. You got to remember the rule of three, right? We live three minutes without air, three days without water, three weeks without food. So getting air is a big deal. And converting that air into oxygen is a life or threatening you know, process that our body deals with all the time. So the next morning, here I'm on the vent. Things are not turning for the better. The ICU doctor calls my husband, who's home alone. The family can't gather because everybody has COVID in different towns. So here he is by himself, and the doctor says, hey, sorry to tell you this. This is looking really grim. Kim's blood oxygen level is down to 48, and she's not going to make it. So he was trying to figure out how to help Wes be able to come in to say goodbye. Because he was COVID positive, that wouldn't have even been in the cards. So, you know, he'd have had to do it over Zoom <laughs> as best he could. The whole family would have had to. All of that super surreal. So here I am, two days before I got symptoms, I swam a thousand meters in 35 minutes. So it wasn't though as though cardio was a problem. I was crushing it in that area when it came to the water. But for some reason, COVID was just a punch in the face and I wasn't able to overcome it. So my poor husband, literally going through COVID himself, called my sister and brother-in-law and called my mom, who's in her 70s, also having to be alone because she's COVID positive, lives alone. And, you know, she's she's feeling awful. So here they are, all depleted, all feeling miserable. And on top of that, they're told I'm not going to be making it. So they can't, you know, they can't just sit by. Our family is pretty proactive, pretty big group of big faith believers. And so pretty quickly, they start a massive prayer push. And Chad, you probably know more about that than I do. But as it's been told to me, 
not just our family, but our entire Quattro Capital team, the core partners, the alliance members, they have people praying for me in 11 countries with in four of the world's five major religions. And when I came to and learned about all of that, it was truly overwhelmingly beautiful. And to this day, it truly touches my soul so deeply. The only word I can find is gratitude. And that's so profoundly insignificant, but we'll, it's so profoundly not a big enough word, but we'll, we'll talk more about that soon. But to stay quickly to get through the story so you'll have context, at the same time, they're pushing with big time faith and big time prayer. My doctor, my primary care doctor I mentioned, she's calling the ICU physician, which is really abnormal. And the reason she was able to do that is that she and and him, they went to residency together. So go figure the odds, probability, likelihood of that occurring, and it's pretty slim to none. And all of that happens on the same day, right? By that evening, things began to turn around. My blood oxygen goes from 48 to 98 on the vent, and there it was. A miracle had happened. And between all the hard work of the exhausted medical team, the massive amount of prayer, and my body's ability to overcome the virus, all of that together meant I lived. And so the ICU, ICU doctor told my husband that fewer than 15% of the people live over the vent, fewer still make it without a tracheotomy, and fewer still don't have organ damage. So all of that combined is a pretty unlikely survival story. And that's why our family, we call it a miracle. So Chad, like you're welcome to add your perspective. Like you lived through this as much as I did. Yeah. And something I have to touch on right there. I mean, you just, you kind of built up, you know, a mindset story there that I'm sure we're going to touch on here in a few moments. But what happened here is that this is a demonstration of even against all odds, you know, against all percentages and out of outcomes, you know, when we said there was nothing left to do, you try one more thing, right? right? And that's in life, in business, in family, in church, whatever it is, right? Whatever your endeavor is, when there's nothing else left to do, you try one more thing. And if we hadn't tried that one more thing, you know, Kim wouldn't be here today. Applying that to business, we had a very similar situation at the beginning of COVID where we tried one more phone call to a different lender and we got a deal done versus losing a quarter million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So like the, the message here, is always try one more thing. And and to take that over to the flip side, you know, while so while Kim was was getting her beauty rest, you know, during this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was truly beautiful. <laughs> She's going to come through the camera on me here. <laughs> there really was some real, you know, emotions outside of this and and you know, with everything you just said, that I'm sure that resonates with just about everyone in this country because at this point, everyone in this country either has experienced this, lost a family member to this, or know someone who has died of this. Yeah. Right. We've lost people in Wes's family. Wes and I have lost count yeah. of the number of friends. It's a grim list to count. It's awful. It's been it's been truly, truly the tragedy of our uh, generation. It has. It has. And so to take that emotion and set it aside and, and, you know, let me kind of talk about what the Quattro team was going through for a minute. And then I want to come back to what we've learned from all this. Right. Sure. But 
the Quattro team, you know, in the beginning, we, you know, she walked into that hospital like, nope, she'll be, she'll be out in a couple of days. She just needs some medicine. She's healthy. This is not what's taking Kim Wendland out of this world, right? There's just no way. So we were optimistic. There was no worry. We said, she'll be back with us in a few days. She said she'd be back. She meant it. And when Kim says she's going to do something, she does it, <laughs> period, the end, right? And so that's what, that's what our mindset was going in everyone's mindset. So now the question was, how do you fill a Kim Wendland void in the company, right? Because at that at the time, you know, well, still, you know, Kim is the leader of our asset management team, right? So that is basically all of the operations for ongoing property management and, you know, profit and loss management, investor relations, things of that sort. All those things tie together under the asset management team. And so, Personally, that meant I, I stepped up quite a bit as well yes, as, the, did. as did the other team. <laughs> and, you know, we had we had a deal that was closing at the end of January that we were trying to raise funds for. We had, you know, last minute structure changes and legal changes on that. We had assets that had just come online that were still in the 90 day takeover phase. I mean, there, we were firing on all cylinders before Kim left. Right. And, and all five of us were plus our three alliance partners. You know, we had eight people that were just really crushing it. But, you know, losing losing leadership on an entire section of your business was a stressor, right? And what we learned from that is, oh my gosh, we we cannot ever let this happen again. We have to have redundancy, right? And so we've we've really learned from that and tried to put in measures of redundancy to where there is context with other people. And if one person were to get hit by a bus tomorrow, hopefully, you know, we can pick up and carry on. So that, that's that's entrepreneurial uh, lesson coming from it. But put that to the side. We'll get to all that stuff as well. You know, think about the emotion of this. I guess this, this may be the one thing wrong with working with family, right? I guess if you want to look at it that way. If there's one thing wrong, yeah. If there's one thing wrong is that, you know, we were also, not only did we get to the point where we were grieving and, you know, thinking about, oh my gosh, we're about to lose a family member and a friend, right? Everyone at Team Quattro, but we're also about to lose a very critical member of our company, Right. And so having all of those things going at one time was an incredibly chaotic set of emotions and, you know, practical circumstances that had to be solved at the same time. So you want to talk about building mental toughness. So that was a nice little exercise. We, we, we all have decided Kim was just doing that to, to stress test the company for us, you know, and she did a great job. We passed. Oh, that's hilarious, Chad. And, you know, in all the chaos there, you, <laughs> you guys even closed a property while I was still in rehab, you know, because that was our eighth for 2020. And uh, yeah, That's you right. guys just Ninth. never lifted the <laughs> pedal. I was so proud of you. So proud. Well, the funny thing was we, we all had real conversations and this is another business lesson, right? We had real conversations of, look, should we pull off the gas pedal until this whole thing works itself out and figure out what's next? And we all, we all decided with a resounding <laughs> no that, if she doesn't make it through this, she will come back and haunt us and kick us in the rear end for pulling back. Absolutely. You know, and if she does live through us, she will kick us in the rear end for pulling back. <laughs> so, so we, we decided that was not an option in any, any way, shape, or form. But so anyway, you know, clearly everyone in this country has been through a tremendous amount, you know, from a family and business perspective, this country all over the world. But let's take it to the learnings now. What have you learned from it all, Kim? Oh my gosh. Chad, there's countless things and we could literally spend days talking about all the lessons. Like I mentioned, it's only been 90 days, just almost 90 days when I left the hospital and went straight to rehab. So we're still processing. And every day, like literally another application 
comes to mind. And and my favorite one that just popped to mind while you were telling what you guys went through as Quattro is in all of 2020, with all the things that we've overcome, I think the phrase there's no quit in Quattro should become <laughs> our mantra. But the uh, I think that's where it came from, actually. <laughs> <laughs> probably so. Every day there's more. I learn more every day. But right now, I think the most important lessons have to do with courage. And what I hope your listeners can absorb today are are three big things. It is a fact that fear is a call to courage. Whether that fear is based in danger or whether that fear has to do with pure emotion about something that may or may not come to pass. In all cases, fear is a call to courage. And so through my journey, when I look back at what all we've been through the last 90 days, it's super clear that courage has lots of different forms. And we're going to focus on three of the most important that translate directly to real estate. And those three crucial forms of courage are fight, surrender, and perseverance. And I promise they'll all make sense in just a little bit because they seem like they're in conflict. So let's start with the fight because that's that's an obvious thing that people relate. When you think about courage, usually it's in the form of a battle or a war to be waged or overcoming a challenge. And for me personally, I, you know, I started out letting my mind shift into that courage state with the phrase, I'm not afraid. And I I truly never was afraid. I can tell you that with all honesty, and, and I mean it. But to turn to my husband, who I knew was fearful for me, and to say to him and call him to and encourage him with, it's going to be okay. I'm going to walk back out of here. You know, he told me many times how that one phrase, I'm not afraid and I'm going to walk out of here encouraged him when he was the most concerned. You know, it was an anchor for his mind as much as it was mine. Another time where courage took on this concept of fight was just with what Chad and I were talking about. It was the call to prayer. It was the belief that a spiritual fight could change a physical medical outcome. It it was my doctor's fight to influence an, an exhausted ICU doctor to give this one an extra measure of chance. You know, she made she fought for me by making the argument that hey, yeah, this person falls in the obese category and yeah, I know this is just covid because he said that back to her over and over and over again. But she would fight with him and remind him that I had no comorbidities, no diabetes, no heart disease, none of the other things that made it so hard for people wow. to survive. He reminded him of all the things that would make it worthwhile for him to give me an extra shot. And so she inspired him to fight, you know, an exhausted, weary ICU doctor who hadn't had a day off in over 60 days. So fighting takes the form of influence. It takes the form of faith. It takes the form of commitment. But then there's my husband back to him. Wes is an introvert. I love him. He's my favorite introvert. We make a good offset for each other. But the idea of Wes becoming the primary communicator for anything before this, we would have all laughed. Now we like, wow, he has it in him because he was literally 
the nucleus of all information coming in and out of the out of the uh, ER and the ICU. So not only was Wes communicating with key members, but he was literally fighting with the insurance company and with his company around insurance to the point that on Christmas Eve, my husband has the phone number of the global HR vice president and is literally texting and calling until they answer. And when they finally did, that person went to fight with the insurance company on our behalf. So it's like everybody was full court press doing everything everybody could do. Now, how does that all relate to real estate? Because all of these lessons have to do with life and business. Well, imagine that you're 10 days away from closing a deal. The bank's already approved it. Everything you need to close is done. The money's raised. The money's in the bank sitting in escrow. You're just working through the bureaucracy of the final title documents. And then imagine that is March 18th of 2020 when the banks were in trouble. For the first time since the Great Depression, two things were happening simultaneously. The stock market was falling and the bond market was falling. That happened to us, and our lender couldn't make their margin call because they were lending lended money. And as a result, they had to cancel our deal. So from March 18th, 2020, through December and January and February, and now March 2021, we've been fighting COVID. And I can tell you, we did ultimately close that deal. It took us Two more extensions with the seller, keeping the seller engaged. You don't think that's a fight? Holy smokes. It took fighting the entire seizing of the the banking system to figure out who was still lending that wasn't predatory. That's what Chad alluded to when he said, you make that one more phone call. He did. He made that one more phone call. We We had all agreed to make five more after six weeks of trying to find another lender. And then ultimately, team, to land that deal as a better deal than when we started, like that's, that is the result of fight. And I was so proud of our team. So what I hope, Chad, your listeners are catching here is that fear is a call to courage. And sometimes that courage takes the form of a real fist fight. That is just incredible. And you know, it's actually a little bit counterintuitive. So I'm excited to see where we go from this. Right. But you mentioned that courage sometimes requires a fight, but your second point is that courage sometimes requires surrender. What do you mean by that? Yeah, that, that does seem like opposites tracked or something. So let me give you a little bit of context. I was aware I was in trouble just because of Ever so often, I would be alert enough that I could overhear things that the medical staff were saying. I could tell what they were doing with me. I mean, I knew I couldn't move, but they were moving me around. And I remember totally being aware that my mind was totally and completely and thoroughly distorted because of all the drugs. And being a a person of prayer and meditation, not having control of my thought life was pretty intense. So at that moment, I just said to God in my mind, I said, 
Oh, I I can't even pray the Lord's Prayer, which I think everybody knows, including people who aren't Christians, probably know the Lord's Prayer. It said so much. And I just told him, I asked him, I said, please have people pray because I just can't. And that was a huge personal moment. We've pieced together the timelines and we figured out that the moment I was surrendering and asking God to have people pray is around is exactly the same day and around the same time when you guys start your big prayer push. And I have to say what I was doing when I said to God, please have people pray in my heart, I was surrendering. Now there's a big difference between surrendering spiritually and surrendering as in giving up and stopping a war or giving up and stopping a fight. Instead, to me, what it means is, is it's time to trust. It's time to give up personal control for peace. And and there was literally nothing else I could do in that moment. And the most important thing I could do was keep my mind out of panic so that my body could focus on fighting COVID, right? No reason to add things that are going to work against the immune system. You got to keep your mind in control. So in that moment, a call to courage for me took the form of surrender. Some people don't really get this concept of surrender. And I, I read something recently by Michael Singer that was a really cool analogy for spiritual surrender. And he likened it to an, a hot air balloon in that it's tethered to the ground, you know, with ropes. If you want the hot air balloon to go up after it's full, you can put as much gas as you want in there. It's going to stay tethered to the ground with the ropes. And the key to letting it rise and doing what it's supposed to do is to let go of the ropes. As soon as it's no longer tethered to the ground, the hot air balloon will fly. And so that's what surrender looks like for me. It, it was a moment of trust. It was letting go of control. And my sister will tell you that for a control freak, that is as scary as it comes <laughs> because you're having <laughs> to trust all these other things. So, so yeah, there's times in business, just like as in that moment in life, when discerning when to fight and when to surrender takes a lot of wisdom. Obviously, during that COVID close that we shared earlier, you know, we're fighting for that deal. But also every single day, we were asking ourselves the tough questions. Should we be fighting for this? Are we doing the right thing for our investors? Are we doing the right thing? It's a constant consideration, not being flippant or short-sighted or double-minded, but rather being responsible. Am I applying the right tool to the circumstance, right? But there's other times when it's best to surrender. And, and a real estate example of that, Chad, that, that made me realize that surrender was a big part of business too, and counterintuitively, I should add, it came back during our 2019 single family business when we had a fire. And when we were notified, the house was literally in flames. In that exact moment, there is nothing we could do. The house was burning. We didn't know if the tenant and her daughter were safe or alive. We were powerless. There was no bucket brigade, brigade for us to participate in. At that moment, 
courage looked like remaining calm. It looked like trusting the firefighters. It looked like trusting and praying for the tenant and her daughter and the neighbors. It looked like being thankful that we were notified so that we could engage in, in, in anything we could do. The outcome of that, thankfully, the tenant and her daughter, both of them survived. But sadly, uh, their two cats didn't make it out. After a few days, ultimately, we were be able to begin working through that process. But at that point, it was appropriate for us to engage. But until then, it was really weird to own a property that you were supposed to do nothing about in that moment. And that was a strange time of surrender as well. Surrender being trust, not giving in, giving up. That, does that make sense, Chad? Does that, does that help? what I'm thinking about. It does. And if I can stack on it for just a moment. So I really love the analogy that you just used of, of, you know, the tether and the balloon, right? The balloon has the capability to fly and to soar to new heights, but it requires letting go of that secure rope that's keeping you firmly anchored on the ground, right? I would venture a similar analogy. I forget who published this, but I, I saw a short video and it was one of those things you're scrolling through Facebook or something like that. And it comes up and it was this child and this child is, is standing on the edge, hundreds of feet up in the air, looking down on, on a conifer-filled forest, right? And you can, t- you can see the fear in this kid's, you, know, you can't see his face, but you can see his, his foot motions, right? And, and he's, he, you know, he's very scared to take the next step. And then all of a sudden, he picks up his foot and you're like, oh my gosh, don't step off. You're going to fall. Like, What's going to happen, right? This is what common wisdom would tell you is going to happen when this kid steps off the ledge. Well, he steps off and he puts his foot down and as if he was walking on water or thin air, his foot hits something firm. And then he takes another step and another, and he continues walking on thin air. And then the camera zooms back and you realize that they're on a massive bridge with glass floors. And so, (laughs) so it's like, oh my gosh, but the whole, the whole message there is sometimes taking that step, taking that leap is surrendering, right? It's surrendering Mm. and trusting that, you know, before your foot hits the ground or before you go crashing down into the forest, you know, you're going to find safe ground and, and flying is easier than you think. Right. So I think that makes total sense. How does that resonate with you? Oh, I love it. I just think that's fantastic. And I do think it's important to share the outcome of the surrender because mm. in this case with COVID, you know, I survived and more than that, I thrived. But with this rental property, that turned into a fantastic story as well. It did. Something of a phoenix this. because the tenant had lived there when her husband had passed. She was a young woman in her 20s. Her husband was killed on a motorcycle while she was pregnant with her daughter. So that home in her mind was her home for her forever home, but she just rented it. And so as a result of the house burning, we completely renovated, rebuilt it into a class A asset in that neighborhood. It was a fantastic property. And the more I thought about it and prayed about it, I was like, I really need to approach the tenant about this. Because if there were ever a chance for her to buy a new home without paying for the price of a new home, like this was it. And if she truly wanted to live there forever, she needed to own it. And so 
I just planted the seed over the next few months as we kept renovating it. She warmed to the idea, figured out, holy smokes, I do qualify to buy this house. And in the end, it was a win for everyone. Here, she and her daughter have a beautiful, fantastic home. The price of owning that home is less than rent, as, as is fully expected. And our company turned a profit because in the sale, combined with the insurance uh, loss to lease or loss of uh, rent uh, provisions, at the end of the year, nothing was lost and profit was made. So truly, it was the case that doing, surrendering, doing the right thing, trusting that everyone's best interest would be sorted out in the end. It was a win. It was a win for me personally. It was a win for them. So I just love the fact that when you find something that's a core truth, such that figuring out that part of courage is sometimes surrender, you'll find it applies in a lot of facets of life. It's very interesting. And it also goes with the notion that, you know, you can, you can do good while doing well, right? I mean, the the easy path might've been to just take the insurance money and sell the piece of junk, burn property to a developer and just displace the tenant, right? Maybe this wasn't the easiest path, but it wound up being a win-win-win solution for everyone, right? And now it's a wonderful story that you can tell to really show, you know, the heart of what this team has, right? Yeah, for sure. What we're, what we're all doing in business, and this is a footnote, Chad, we just, based on what you said, we just have to share it. This business that we're all in in real estate is a fantastic investment opportunity. Sure. It's a fantastic way to cash flow and transform your life. Sure. But the most important part is that these are people's homes and we're dealing with the stuff of life. We're providing a platform, if you will, for the stuff of life. People are bringing home their babies. People are trying to feed their kids. People are trying to let their kids play and have fun and learn. You know, seniors, seniors and singles are looking for community. Like the stuff of life is happening in our real estate acquisitions. And it's essential that as human beings, that we honor that, that we cultivate that. That's why all of that, what we're talking about here is a big part of our, you know, our personal platform at Quattro. Anyway, Chad, I know I'm off topic, but just you teed it up there and I had to swing at it. Sometimes tangents are worth taking a swing at, you know? <laughs> well, let's go to the next point then. So we've, we've talked about how COVID has taught you that courage can take the form of fight and surrender, but there was a third bullet you mentioned, perseverance. Care to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, and I'll try to do it quickly. I know, I know we're running out of time here, but, you know, fight opposite surrender, but both of them are going to always be a company with perseverance. And by, by perseverance, I mean, you have to give way to a calm, deliberate, patient, water dripping kind of action that is perseverance. So I don't know if your listeners would be aware or not, but when, when you've had an induced coma, your body literally reorients its sense of gravity. And that sense of gravity is for a horizontal person, not a vertical person. And that creates extreme weakness and you lose a lot of muscle mass. At the same time, the drugs you're given for the paralytics are designed to make you not move. And that stuff has to wear off. And you combine those two things, you stack on top of it, the effects of COVID pneumonia. You know, like my dad used to say, 
I think I'm stronger than a puppy, but I think puppies are pretty weak. So, you know, you totally just have nothing, absolutely nothing. And and so in this extreme weakness, you know, coming back from that is not for the faint of heart, let me tell you. So I, I just want to give your listener just a, a simple analogy. So I mentioned that Two days before my first COVID symptom, I swam a thousand meters in 35 minutes. Like that's a wonderful, beautiful, low impact cardio workout. And here I am less than a month later, and I've had to spend three days persuading the medical staff to let me stand up. We finally get it done. And with the help of two people and a walker, I'm standing and trembling head to toe. Like, I don't, I think my hair was trembling and I was so weak. I could only stand there for 25 seconds. Now I could have been incredibly discouraged that I only stood for 20 seconds. But when I sat down, the first words I said was, woohoo, let's do that again. (laughs) The whole room just cracked up because the net of it is, those 25 seconds were better than being flat on my back. And I knew if I could stand for 25 seconds more, that I would be that much stronger later that day or the next day. I did have this bum arm. You've heard about long haul COVID. My left arm still doesn't work right. We're still working on that. And it has a lot of pain. But the real disturbing part was the cognitive I I used to support over 55,000 cell phones, smartphones, iPhones for the state of Texas. I kid you not, cognitively, I so couldn't work my own phone that I locked it and it had to be completely rebuilt. So, so here I am in every way depleted physically and there was just no speaking about how depleted. It was just ridiculous. And to boot my very best asset, my my brain, my mind was equally weak. So, you know, I was super grateful to be alive and I was super mindful that I had to focus on what was right. I couldn't focus on what was get a gap. So I shifted my thinking, knowing that fear is a call to courage and knowing that in many cases, perseverance is the most clear form of of courage there is, I began to focus my mind on what I had accomplished rather than how far I had to go. And in making that mind shift, it gave me the encouragement to keep going. Like every single teeny tiny simple little victory, I would celebrate like I had just won an Olympic gold medal because in the world of life and recovery, that had just happened. And what was beautiful is on December 25th, Christmas Day, I was able to leave the hospital and I didn't get to go home. I was way too weak. I had to go to inpatient rehabilitation. So when I get there, I'm like, woohoo, cuffs are off. I can stand. I can do what I want. I can try to make it to the bathroom. Well, wrong. So wrong. The next, they kept telling me, you have to be evaluated. You have to be evaluated. Well, the next morning, the evaluators come in because it wasn't Christmas Day. So the day after Christmas, they come in, they do their evaluation, and they're asking me about my goals. Now, you understand, they know how weak I am. I still haven't connected the dots. 
And I said, yeah, while I was in the hospital, my sister and I, we committed to each other that we would do a 5K as soon as possible. So when I leave rehab, I would really like to be able to, to walk a 5K. And she didn't laugh at me. She looked at me with an interesting look, a puzzled look. And she said, well, let me help you recalibrate a little bit. She said, usually when someone comes to rehab, they're here between 14 and 30 days. And the goal is to do things like, you know, all of your own personal care and to be able to begin to start walking and be able to begin your physical therapy. She said, but that 5K should stay your goal, but we're going to need to moderate your goals while you're here, right? So, you know, just sucker punch after sucker punch. If you let that stuff get in your head, you're not going to persevere. So you have to keep your mind on what's possible and not what isn't. And in doing that, you shift from a mindset of I've survived and into a mindset of I'm going to thrive and all of life is going to be coming back to me. So when you think about all of that, that perseverance is essential, You know, you have to think about business, too. How many times have you been in business where perseverance was not, you know, a part of the game? I think, Chad, you know, we've shared quite a bit about all that Quattro had to overcome because I was down. You closed two more deals. You restructured and had a complex close. You managed to overcome the 90-day, you know, takeover windows. All of that was happening at the same time you were trying to deal with your own self and your own emotions and, and what was going on. So I thought team Quattro, you know, crushed it in the perseverance category and really did cross some major finish lines. Yeah. And that's totally right, Kim. I mean, I can't really stack on what you just said there. That was, that was perfect, but it it really comes back to there's no quit. Right. I yeah, mean, no quit in quattro. Take the next freaking step, whatever it is. Celebrate that you could take the, the step, no matter how big or how small. And sometimes you falter and you step back two or three steps, right? But you took a freaking step. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I think that is that is well said. And we've got to just leave it yeah, there. Sure. You know. Wow. So Give us a takeaway here. I mean, this is this is incredible. <laughs> you know, we got to sum all this up into, into a message. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the takeaway is this. Courage is critical to all of our success in life and in real estate. And, you know, depending upon circumstances, courage is lived out and it looks like a fight. Sometimes it looks like a wise surrender and a trust. And sometimes it just looks like plain old hard perseverance. Wow. And then there's other times, Chad, when when it takes all three to overcome. But here's what I want to say to your audience, directly to each listener. And here's what I truly believe about you. Within you is more courage than you know. You have more power within you than you know. Please believe in yourself as much as I believe you through these tears. I'm speaking to you now. Your courage in all of its forms is greater than you know. If you think you're a badass and you're more courageous than everybody else, I'm telling you, you're more courageous than you know. If you are afraid and not certain about what's going on in this world, 
There is more courage within you than you know. Learn to wield your lightsaber. Learn to harness your power and choose to believe that fear is a call to courage. Choose to be courageous because there's more power in you than you know. So high five to all these courageous people out here. High five to to you, Chad. Chad and I are totally rooting for you. Please get out there and crush it. Just crush it. You can do it. This is incredible, y'all. And what other podcast can you get business coaching, life coaching, and motivational speaking all at one time? This this is fantastic. <laughs> incredible story. Well, I'd love to, to leave it right there on that note, Kim, but I've got to ask these these couple of questions that we ask everyone on the show. So if you don't mind, let's, <laughs> let's switch over and do that because I know you have something, something here you'd like to offer out. Sure. So Kim, what is your superpower as it relates to business or profession? Oh my gosh, what an awesome, I love this question because my answer is, is so weird. I am a compassionate strategist and and I truly believe, yes, we can get this done. Like I just am a force of understanding that it's hard and being compassionate about that and yet figuring out the strategy we need in order to go get it done. And so that that's where I find I'm generally unique and different. My whole my whole professional career pre pre and post real estate. I love it. So other than shoe shopping during a global pandemic, right? <laughs> <laughs> what is your biggest failure to date and what did it teach you? Oh my gosh. Uh, yes, don't go shop. There's got to be a song in there, don't go shopping in a pandemic. <laughs> in Nashville there might be. <laughs> right? So I think the biggest failure I ever had go way back into my IT career when I was building five of IBM's first five uh, global help desks. And the one that we were building in Bangalore, India, it was a push, you know, because back then India was still very much behind where they are today in basic infrastructure. And what I didn't understand as the project manager and the owner of, of this big, you know, multi-billion dollar effort was that rainy season had implications. In my mind, I'm thinking flooding, I'm thinking difficulty, you know, getting people to work on time. What it meant was rain, flood, wash out roads, buses don't go, people don't come in at all. And so during that six months that we were trying to launch was the worst possible six weeks because literally people couldn't get to work. And it was a $500,000 mistake. From that, I learned something hugely important that when you own a business, when you own a project, when you're accountable for anything, you're accountable for everything. And it's not okay to simply say, I didn't know about that and blame somebody else. A big part of being an accountable business person is accepting responsibility for what happened and never, ever, never letting that happen again. Hope that made sense. It did. And you're so right. I mean, when, when, you're, when you're at the helm of a company with capital behind it, the buck stops with you, whether it's your fault or not, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Wow. Well, 
I think you have a recommended ebook here related to getting through COVID. Where can we find that? Or where can the listeners find that? Yeah, two places. We're going to publish that in the show notes, Chad. It will put it up on our uh, thequatroaway.com as well as kimwinland.com. We'll make sure that you get that. And it is a basic things you can do to give your body a fighting chance to be ready to overcome COVID. There's no cure for it, but you can at least give your body a fighting chance. Fantastic. From the doctors who helped Kim survive it and from Kim herself, I'm sure these will be good tips. Yeah. And, you know, Quattro, one of its uh, one of our pillars is philanthropy. So what philanthropic cause would you like us to promote? Absolutely. I just there's so many things, Chad, and but I especially love the Heifer Project. And if you're not familiar with it, you're like, the what? So what this nonprofit does is recognize that one of the biggest problems in the developing world is the lack of a renewable source of food. And so they will provide for certain amounts of donation, like $500, you can provide a goat. Well, that provides milk for the family. That provides all kinds of stuff. Chickens as well. It's, it's like, a, I think, $150 to provide a rooster and a chicken so that things like eggs become a normal part of, part of their life. So in providing food for the family in a renewable way, the beautiful thing that comes out of that, in addition to stability, is that young girls who would have to go to work in the fields are able to be educated. Young boys have a much greater chance at education, but young girls have virtually no chance at education. And so with the Heifer Project, you're not only providing for food for family, but you're also finding ways of breaking that chain of, of extreme poverty. And that combined with, you know, giving to our local church and doing things together with Quattro, like at our Quattro team, I just have to share this chat. I know we're running super long, but your listeners might want to learn about this. If you care a lot about the tenants in your properties, you want to make sure that you're providing a great platform. But it's also the case that you want to partner with nonprofits in unique and special ways that provide opportunity. And one of those opportunities came to us through an organization called Open Door that Maurice Philogene, our partner, found. And what Open Door is all about is helping battered women change their life. And in the second year of their program, they pay for a year's worth of rent. So they're beginning to learn to live solo. And at the same time, they have them save up money, a six months emergency fund so that they'll be able to pay rent going on in that third year. So it is a fantastic thing that even in our business, we're able to find ways to creatively partner with the nonprofits out there doing great work in order to provide opportunity. So I could go on way too long. I'll, I just love this, you know, the concept of impact and income is incredible. I love that, Kim. The whole concept of impact over income is, or impact and income, rather. You said it properly there. It's, it's both and, not one or the other, mutually exclusive. Yeah. So that is incredible. Kim, how can the listeners get in touch with you? This has been a, an action-packed episode. I know it ran long, but this is, I'm going to pre-frame this in the, in the show notes. This is, this is fantastic. You know, I think the listeners will get a lot out of this, but how can they get in touch with you? 
Oh, yeah. Just check out our website, thequattroway.com. You can click on all of the partners. We've had, we're open book. We have our stories out there. And in addition, you can schedule time on our calendar, send me an email or connect through social media. And uh, Chad, way to be. I'm just so thrilled about this podcast and uh, look forward to seeing what, what happens over time. All right, Kim, have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you on the next one. You too, everybody. Keep your courage up. We hope this episode was insightful and brought value to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequattroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.